The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guests' own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of AIHA. AIHA does not endorse any guest or the entity that they represent. On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, we have the Journal of Occupational and Environmental Hygiene's Editor-in-Chief, Mike Laranyaga, to talk about JOEH's approach to open access next. Welcome to another episode of Healthier Workplaces. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Media and your host for this program from AIHA. Stay with us. Here's our consultant, Sarah. She's always looking for ways to grow her network and increase her business, but advertising is expensive. There are lots of competitors, and sometimes she has trouble finding the right audience. Luckily for Sarah, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA, offers the perfect low-cost solution, the AIHA Consultants Listing. This listing is the perfect resource for consumers and businesses, and especially for those in need of highly specialized and qualified industrial hygienists. Every year, AIHA sends the consultants listing to thousands of decision makers nationwide in a variety of industries, including legal, real estate, trade associations, academics, hospitals, and all levels of government, including most federal agencies. It's also readily available online through their website. Sarah had no idea the consultants listing was such a valuable low-cost resource. Now she knows getting into the directory makes perfect sense to better her business. It didn't take long before Sarah found her network expanding, and she was even pulling ahead of her competitors. The AIHA Consultants Listing, your link to building a larger network. Welcome. We have Mike Laranyaga. He's the uh, editor-in-chief of uh, JOEH, the Journal of Occupational and Environmental Hygiene. Welcome, Mike. Uh, thank you for having me. How are you? So, I mean, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today, but I mean, let, let's, uh, let's for any of the audience that's not familiar with your publication, let's um, give us a brief overview of what JOEH uh, does and what it covers. Yeah, the JOEH is a, a research journal, an academic type research journal that publishes peer-reviewed manuscripts, uh, peer-reviewed case studies, and commentaries. Um, you know, in the field of occupational environmental health, toxicology, epidemiology. Um, what else? Toxicology, epidemiology, uh, cancer risk assessment. Uh, noise, uh, a wide variety of things that relate to occupational environmental health. So um, you've been you've been at this position uh, for about a year, I think you mentioned in pre-show. Yeah, just just about a year. Yeah. And um, and you come from both academia and actual field practice, right? That's correct. I, I worked in uh, in the field or, you know, outside of academia and, and jobs in government and consulting and then i i had the opportunity to go to academia so I, I i jumped on it and spent eight years in academia and then uh for family reasons had to leave academia and um uh you know go into consulting because that's uh, some somewhere where i thought i could be useful uh later on, on i was uh intrigued about the joeh opportunity and and one thing that uh the board, the JOH board appreciated was that I had both academic and, um, you know, essentially what they call real world experience. 
and uh, um, that was really useful and has been really useful in this role. So um, JOEH uh, is, is a peer-reviewed publication, and I'm assuming that your uh, peer review process is fairly rigorous, right? Uh, brief correct. overview on how, uh, what you go through there. We have an acceptance rate of about 22%, so 22% of the manuscripts that are submitted are, are eventually accepted. Uh, the peer review process, um, you know, when you when somebody submits an article, of course, I read it, and and uh, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll I'll provide feedback to the authors and have them revise it before I send it to peer review. Uh, but then when I decide to send it to peer review, I look for um, reviewers that are um, very knowledgeable in the areas that the manuscript covers, and I invite those peer reviews reviewers to review the manuscript. Typically. We have two peer reviewers per manuscript. Sometimes we have more. For example, if if a uh, manuscript is really complex um, and has different areas, for example, it's really it has a robust statistical design and analysis. I might have an expert in statistics look at that, but then I'll have an expert in um, occupational safety and health look at the, the those aspects, and and sometimes another person to look at another aspect. So sometimes we might have three. Uh, reviewers. Um, in rare, rare cases, we'll have more than that. So I send them out to people that are knowledgeable in the field and they provide feedback. Uh, once that feedback is received, it goes back to the authors and the authors get the opportunity to respond to the reviewers and update the manuscript accordingly. Uh, and that can um, continue one, there can be one revision and they can be up to so far as many as four revisions. Um, and then the paper you know, gets accepted. Typically, if if you get one revision, that's good news and, mm -hmm. and uh, for the authors. So uh, tell us about some of the interesting manuscripts that you uh, received in your year here at uh, JOEH. Yeah, we've had some really good ones. Um, one of them you know, is really interesting and, and hasn't. there's not a lot of uh, information out there is noise exposure when operating a military-style rifle. Uh, another really un, unaddressed area in our field is the, the impact of autotoxicants. Uh, on work, worker health and autotoxins are chemicals that can cause hearing damage. And they, there's a really great article that was published this year. Um, we have an article on, on chimney sweepers in Norway, which is pretty, pretty amazing um, on exposure to um, noise and particles in, in, a, in a brick manufacturing facility and mine in Tanzania. So some really neat stuff. Um, one, of, one of the most interesting though is is the these articles two articles by Edward Calabrese who who has found that the basis that we use for chemical and radiological risk assessment in the United States uh, was based on uh, scientific misconduct and hiding of data that has since been uncovered by uh, Ed Calabrese and Paul Selby, and he has gone back and reviewed the, the scientific notes and the personal correspondence of, of the, the main people that were involved. And establishing, um, you know, essentially how we view uh, risk assessment associated with a radiological uh, and that now and also chemical chemicals or exposure to those things. And he's found that the scientists that were uh, behind this um, they they misled the public and they actually hid data. That's crazy. Uh, that Prove their point and and continue to do so for many years. And it wasn't until 1996 that Paul Selby discovered. Um, uh, some data that had never been reported in the literature all the way back to 1931. Mm -hmm. 
And that data told a totally different story than what the original, uh, the original scientist had told the public. It told the scientific community. Uh, one of the one of the uh, or maybe two of these gentlemen won the Nobel Prize or awarded the Nobel yeah. Prize. And uh, so it's very interesting and and it's controversial. Uh, for example, the Health Physics Society attempted to, to censor uh, uh, this information, and uh, the EPA attempted to um, engage with the Health Physics Society to 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 make that happen. Of course, it didn't happen. And uh, and so we, we we get the benefit of, of reading these manuscripts, which are are quite telling and, and a little scary. Yeah, that's pretty impactful. And really, uh, <laughs> I go as far as say it's alarming. It is alarming, and uh, the good news is it, it was discovered, and uh, we're learning more about it, and and hopefully we'll be able to act on it. But it is it is scary. I think that's a that's a good way to describe it. How does JOEH differentiate itself and what unique opportunities uh, does it offer to authors and readers within the, in the field of occupational uh, health and safety and environmental hygiene? Yeah, JOEH um, differentiates itself by being a you know, high quality peer reviewed uh, journal. Um, I'm going to give you an example. I, I rejected a manuscript that I thought could be publishable, but just wasn't at the time. And the author of that journal article was able to submit it to another journal and have it reviewed and accepted all within 30 days. And uh, to me, it, it just, uh, I, I was really shocked at how fast the other journal could do that. And and then when I reviewed it, it was almost essentially the same manuscript that he had submitted um, to the JOEH. So I think we, we, do, we do a really good job of ensuring high quality uh, review of the manuscripts and providing good feedback uh, to the authors to improve their manuscripts. I think that's one way that we're, we're we differentiate ourselves from other journals. And, and as far as uh, your uh, volume of submissions, I'm assuming you get a lot of lot of prospective uh, manuscripts submitted on a regular basis. Yeah, we are routinely receiving manuscripts. I think we get a little over 400 manuscripts a year. And um, we do get a, quite a bit of manuscripts. One thing that's interesting is we're, we're continuing to get more and more manuscripts from international authors. And uh, such that I think now we're 55% of our, our journal submissions are from international authors, which I think is really great. Yeah. And, and uh, shows the, the broad impact that JOH is having and, and uh, the confidence that the, the international community has in JOH. I mean, does your publication, uh, you know, solicit, or is it just people just reach out to you? I mean, is it, or is it a combination there of is any type of a marketing strategy per se to attract new manuscripts? So, well, I, we do have a marketing strategy. It's not, uh, it's not very robust in that we don't do a lot of outward um, targeting of authors. Although I have gone to conferences and seen people speak and. I've even read manuscripts from other authors and have invited them to provide to submit journal articles to um, to JOEH, and I've gotten some that never would have been submitted to JOEH had I not asked the authors to do so. And I think that has been very impactful. We do work on um, social networking on Twitter or X, and also on LinkedIn, uh, which has also helped. And we've become known as uh, being fair to those in the international community, one thing I do is I provide uh, uh, a lot of times they need help with the English and the grammar and set structure and things like that. 
and I do provide um, feedback on that to the authors so that they can update those things um, before we send it to peer review. So I think that has been very helpful. And we've received a, a really a large number of uh, manuscripts from international authors that I don't think we would have received otherwise. Are there specific topics um, JOEH is uh, particularly interested in or, or you, you broad sector across that whole uh, spectrum? Because it's a lot of, it's a broad category, right? It's a very broad category. So, for example, if you look at the industrial hygiene um, core competencies, I think there are either 16 or 18 core competencies, uh, you know, life sciences, chemistry, uh, analytical chemistry, physics, um, toxicology, epidemiology. So it's a wide exposure science. It's a very wide breadth. And we... Um, we do accept manuscripts within that entire breadth as long as it is related to the the, the actual focus of, of JOEH. One of the one of the things we see now is with the immediacy of uh, news and information being delivered, you know, via internet, via social media, uh, you know, just we're very time sensitive. I think of get, getting information out, but with a peer reviewed uh, publication, of course, it's a slower process, right? Because you you there's going to be feedback from uh, your peer reviewers. As a peer review journal, people expect there to be a, a fairly lengthy process to get something out. I mean, I guess I guess the question is, how is JOEH um, adapting to like the way society-wise we're used to very fast information? Because obviously your process to get accurate information out there does take probably a laborious peer review and to get things straight. So has that, has that affected the way you do the peer review process at the journal or is are you still doing it as, uh, as you always have? So it, it hasn't affected the way we do peer review at, at JOEH. I will tell you that authors are often expecting a very quick turnaround. There are, there are journals that are online journals and they will give you a very quick turnaround as i described earlier you know a, a, an author received a submitted a manuscript had it reviewed and accepted and, and published within a month um that is very enticing to 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 authors uh, we don't offer that quick turnaround uh, with our current setup we would love to of course but it's just not feasible for us right now now i will tell you that the online journals were stripped of their impact factors uh, not maybe um, earlier this year, um, because they uh, the quality of the peer review process was not was determined to not be assured uh, for those journals. So, so there were a, a number of the online journals uh, in which their impact factors were removed, and that's also very consequential because uh, authors do look at that, and the public looks at that when considering the quality of the journal. Uh, but at this time, we do, it, ours does take a little longer. I don't know exactly what our, uh, it's usually 20 days or so to first decision uh, for us. And, you know, obviously in those other journals, it has to be much quicker. And, and uh, so I do, it does, and I do have authors ask me if we could speed it up. Unfortunately, at this time, we just don't have the resources to do so. Well, it makes sense. And obviously, you know, with your publication, uh, your focus is, of course, having the quality of the content. And yeah, that's what we're all about. Speed is, speed is not paramount. <laughs> I would like to improve our speed, uh, but but uh, in order to do that, we need a good, a, a large number of reviewers to, to make that pool a big, much, much bigger. 
And unfortunately, the field of occupational safety and health is, is rather small. And then we're broken up into these other subsets like health physics and toxicology, indoor air quality and things like that. So, so it, it, that even makes it more challenging. Sure. And your reviewers are volunteers, right? Reviewers, volunteers, they, they don't get paid. And, uh, it's, you know, they're on their spare time. And we do ask them to provide quality reviews that do take time. Sure. No, that's understandable. Uh, you know, for, for any academics and researchers uh, looking to uh, have a manuscript con, uh, considered, uh, are there certain things that could improve their chances of being approved? And do you have any advice or tips, for, you know, for prospective uh, authors? Yeah, so we, we, we have several different manuscript types. And the main ones are uh, the research article. Uh, and then we have the, the, the short report, which is a case study. And then we have a commentary. So commentaries are, are um, for example, we received a, one a commentary recently on actually beauty service workers, which are typically Asian all across the United States, and the challenges that they face. And what the authors did was they, they challenged the, the health and safety community to be more cognizant of the risks that these workers are exposed to. And, and it's kind of an un, unaddressed part of our culture and in the United States is that they're exposed to a lot of risks that we're not taking into account. So that was very interesting. And so a commentary is a call to action. And we have a short report, which is a, a, a you know, case study. And we received two really interesting ones recently. Um, one is on an implosion that happened at MD Anderson Cancer, MD Anderson Cancer Center in, in uh, Houston, Texas, on how to do that implosion without affecting the operation of the hospital, which is a really amazing, um, amazing job that they did there. And then another one was due to an explosion that happened at the University of Minnesota in, in the sewer system, uh, you know, in which the actual uh, the sewers were just exploding upwards. <laughs> and that was really interesting. So we also accept case studies okay. and we encourage you, uh, the authors to submit case studies. Many journals do not except case studies, but we think they're important. I think they're important. And then for research articles, um, we receive a good number of those. And and those are, are have kind of the highest level of peer review because they're considered research articles. And uh, so tips for those was, you know, if you have something that's interesting, uh, that provides some useful information to the, to the scientific community, we would be interested in publishing it. And uh, uh, so some tips, one, pay attention to the style guide because we have a style and, and manuscripts need to kind of fit that style. Uh, uh, this is a big problem for authors, uh, especially international authors. And as, as we see that um, young professionals uh, are not as good at writing um, as perhaps we used to be, we see a lot of problems with the style just simply fitting the style which is very important um and uh another one is you know proper citations make sure your work has the appropriate citations and that you've done the background so that your manuscript can, can withstand peer review and that's very important uh, we're very flexible as to the types of manuscripts we accept as long as it's in the occupational safety and health field and um you know relevant to joeh readers so that's, uh, I mean, so I guess the, the uh, and then another good thing would be have someone else read your manuscript before it's submitted, because um, when you're writing it, you're really kind of in the zone and you miss a lot of things. And, and 
these, you know, you know, having someone else review it can really help identify some potential problems before it gets to us. Are, are there any other common pitfalls that uh, authors run into as far as getting accepted? Um, I guess one pitfall would be uh, we can tell when a manuscript was submitted to another journal and then just kind of reframed and put it to our journal and submitted it to our journal. Uh, you know, it, it, so that that happens fairly often, and it, we don't necessarily mind, but it would be nice that if the authors actually took the time to put it into, uh, you know, the JOH format. Uh, other pitfalls. Um, I guess that's the main one. Uh, we're pretty good about giving good feedback to authors. Uh, so if you if you some, if you have a manuscript and and you you want it, you can even send me an email and say, hey, would this manuscript be of interest to you? And I'll I'll tell you. Um, so uh, we're pretty open about the, the the breadth of the manuscripts that we would accept as long as it's in this field. And um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, yeah, and and again, uh, you know, with four hundred uh, manuscript submissions annually, and how how many uh, articles do you typically publish in a year? Well, we have a twenty-two percent acceptance rate. Okay, I could do yeah, the math. About hundred, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I mean, well, a but less that's than hundred. Yeah, but, but that's that's a lot of manuscripts to review. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, not one person. The only person that reviews them all is me, and uh, the reviewers don't don't review 100 manuscripts you know i try to uh, make sure that you know we don't give reviewers too many reviews um, and one of the things is our system will tell us do they have a current review in progress and how many days has it been since they've done their last review? and how many uh, have they done how many reviews have they done in the last 12 months so I, if i see somebody's done a little extra work during the past 12 months i'll try to you know leave them alone and find another reviewer sure sure um, Sometimes we have specialists and we just need that reviewer. So sometimes I have to rely on, on certain people quite a bit. And uh, so I appreciate the help from them. One final thought, I guess, is that we really appreciate the, the authors that, that submit manuscripts to JOEH. And we really appreciate the help that the reviewers give and in, in, in providing feedback to the authors on those manuscripts. Without those two groups of people, there would be no JOEH. So just a thank you to the authors and the reviewers. Good point. Well, Mike, thanks so very much for joining us on this episode of Healthier Workplaces and continued success with JOEH. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back again with another episode of Healthier Workplaces. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy.